Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on the Cornetto Trilogy, also known as Three Flavors Cornetto. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show for this spooky season special episode. We're doing the Cornetto Trilogy from Edgar Wright, and we're dressed up as a couple of the characters from these movies. I am uh, Nicholas Angel from Hut Fuzz, and Anthony. I'm Sean from Shaun of the Dead. And we love this trilogy so much. The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy, the Cornetto Trilogy, however you want to call, call it, written and directed by Edgar Wright, co-written by Simon Pegg. These films are Shaun of the Dead, which came out in 2004. IMDb 7.9, Rotten Tomatoes 92%, 93% audience score. Budget was 4 million pounds. That's English dollars, might. <laughs> Box office, $30 million. Hot Fuzz came out in 2007. IMDb 7.8, Rotten Tomatoes 91%, and 89% audience score. Budget was 8 million pounds. Box office was $80 million. Big hit. And then The World's End, which wrapped up the trilogy, came out in 2013. IMDb, this is a 6.9. Rotten Tomatoes, 89% critic, 71% audience. Budget of $20 million grossed $46 million worldwide for a combined box office of $156 million. All successful films. I love your costume. Thanks, man. So, uh, yeah. You're dual-wielding handguns. I'm holding two handguns the whole time this episode. I just noticed you're not wearing your over-ear headphones because of the the cop hat. Because I got the cop hat, but it's the London cop hat with the checkered thing. Yeah, yeah. The checkered stripe, which I don't think they wear anymore, but I think it was obviously around in the 2000s. That's what they wore. And you're wearing the most popular Halloween outfit from 2005. Really? (laughs) It must have been. It had to have been, yeah. (laughs) Everyone was dressed up as as, uh, Sean from Shaun of the Dead. I know how well you do your research, so I thought that was a researched fact that you spat out. I think it's just a funny yeah, pop yeah. culture yeah, thing. Yeah, you're probably right. But it's a great costume because it's instantly recognizable. You got red on you, the outfit. Oh, yeah. Because these movies are so memorable. They're so well-loved. I'm surprised that The World's End isn't as loved as the other ones. I understand Shaun of the Dead is one of the best zombie movies ever made, and Hut Fuzz is one of the best buddy cop action movies ever made. And I understand that, but I still think The World's End is very underrated. I really enjoyed that movie. But I kind of... If, you, if I had to pick a favorite out of these three movies, it's it's tough. It's between Shaun of the Dead and Hut Fuzz. I think that Hut Fuzz might be my favorite of them all. It is hard It is hard to pick because they're all really great, and I agree with you because we just watched The World's End last night uh, because I hadn't watched it as much as the other two. The other two I've seen a lot. And The World's End I've only seen maybe three or four times. But I think World's End is really awesome. It's hilarious, and it's a lot of fun. The cast is really... I like how it's an ensemble more so than the other two is more of the buddy with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, which really works. But the the ensemble cast of actors and then having Rosamund Pike in uh, as well, I think that really makes the movie really special. And it, it is so funny. I'm dying every time I see Gary King on screen. And also, I think it's Simon Pegg's best performance in The World's End. He has so much energy. He steals every moment. And he's going like 150% in every scene just putting it all out there and he's just hysterical in that movie it gave him the most ability to work his range of comedic talent yeah there's there's a couple keys to this trilogy and why it works so well obviously edgar wright being such a great director incredible eye for camera and his own style of editing which is similar to guy Ritchie, but we all love his style of filmmaking co-writing with with simon pegg but simon pegg being the star of all these movies is also what seals the deal it's kind of like the secret sauce to what makes them all work so well yeah simon pegg is a great lead and he's turned into like such a big star now thanks to the mission impossible franchise with tom cruise 
had getting him on board with JJ uh, Abrams for MI3 because he was a, he's a great addition as Benji to the team, and he adds that comedic flavor that Mission Impossible never had. And now you like you love Benji in the MI movies. He's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's like my second favorite character in mm-hmm. the new ones. And also, he Simon Pegg seems like a cool guy, like a really down to earth person from what I've seen from interviews and stuff. But as a performer on screen, he has an everyman quality. You know, he's not like. Uh, super ripped, jacked action hero, typical leading man. He's, he's got abs in the world's he's end. He's got abs in the world's end, <laughs> he yeah. He probably knew that there was a shirtless scene for a few seconds. I think he got, I think uh, what I read is Tom Cruise was work, was uh, having him work out with him oh, for, for MI Mission Impossible. and got him jacked for it. Because he did get in yeah. shape for Mission Impossible 5 and 6 for sure. Yeah, because I saw an interview where he said, I, I never thought I would have abs and I now have abs thanks to Tom Cruise. Because <laughs> Gary King shows the tattoo. I'm like, these guys six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ben Stiller being unnecessarily ripped yeah. in the Meet the Parents. Exactly. Because I think he filmed this around Ghost Protocol time. Yeah, around 2012, 2013. Yeah. But I, I, he has this everyman quality about him, and it's great to see him as a leading man in movies. He's terrific. He really is. In every one of these movies, obviously different characters, different stories. On the surface, they don't have anything to do with each other, really. One's a zombie comedy movie with Shaun of the Dead. The second is in just a cliche action buddy cop movie with some myster- murder mystery. And the third one is is a sci-fi alien drunk pub crawl adventure. So three <laughs> different genres. We have horror, we have buddy cop action, and then sci-fi. But on but underneath the service, they're all very connected and kind of are make up this unorthodox trilogy. You don't really get trilogies like this where all the movies have nothing really to do with each other on the service. But the characters, they're all – you can look at them all as sort of growth in life where like Shaun of the Dead is like the childhood phase – Hot Fuzz is kind of like the teenage <laughs> angsty phase, and then the the world's end is the adult phase. All about like kind of like how Adam Sandler has played like characters from the man baby to the, yeah. the adult that wasn't doesn't want to grow up to a, an adult that's maturing. I think this trilogy does the exact same thing that his characters have done throughout his career. They do have a very strong connective tissue. All three movies: Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. No pubs, pubs, <laughs> <laughs> drinking. There's lots of pubs and there's lots of beer in these movies, and that's actually one of the reasons why that's always. Uh, seen and featured in these films is that Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright would often go out to pubs and drink when they were coming up with ideas or just hanging out but even discussing possible movies they could do they would often go to pubs for their meetings and so it's like it's like a part of their lives is is like regularly going to pubs and also every movie is basically like a calling card to uh, that genre specifically whether it be horror zombies uh, action comedies or just action um, cop movies, and then you have sci-fi movies. And so Edgar Wright basically made a calling card slash spoof uh, love letter to each genre of this that each movie takes place within. And I think that also is why you can call it a trilogy. And there are clear inspirations for each movie. Obviously, Shaun of the Dead, most notably the biggest inspiration is probably Night of the Living Dead. He has the same rules for those zombies. They're slow and stupid. And There's... Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Dawn obviously. of the Dead. Yeah, the original. So George R. George R. Romero's uh, films, Night of the Living Dead and, and Dawn of the Dead. And what's the second Night of the Living Dead called? Night of the Living Dead 2? Origins. Origins. <laughs> Where do the zombies come from? So the zombies are the same rules rather than the we saw from 28 Days Later and more modern zombie movies where they're fast moving, they're more animalistic. He went to all the old school ones that he loves of old zombies, really slow, really dumb, are only looking for you, can find you from movements, from sound, maybe not even smell because they, they play the zombies and the zombies are so dumb they don't even notice they're walking among them. <gasps> 
Very good. And then we have <laughs> Hot Fuzz. We have in every buddy cop movie ever made. I believe that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright watched 138 buddy cop action movies and also interviewed 50 police officers before they started writing the script for Hut Fuzz so that they would be experts basically on the genre. And even the name Hut Fuzz, it came from the concept where every buddy cop action movie has just two words that really have nothing to do with each other. Oh, like the title. Like lethal weapon. Point like, break. Exactly. They yeah. make no sense. Well, point break's a slang in, in surf culture, but, yeah, but still, yeah. still the words don't really make sense if you're not from like the surf towns of America and you don't get it really. Or maybe Australia says it too. Die hard. Die hard. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Die hard makes no sense. So they came up with Hut Fuzz because it's just making fun of the genre. And then um, also with The World's End, huge influence was Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Stepford Wives, of course. Both those movies, similar concepts that are going on in this film, in these movies. And what I, he does so brilliantly with each genre, whether it's the horror, the buddy cop action, or the sci-fi, is he subverts the genre completely on its head. He's... It's they're very meta. He's winking at you the whole time. He knows you. You know that you're watching this kind of movie, and he wants you to know that he's watching you watch this movie. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And he he always approaches it in such a fun way, but also like even though he's kind of spoofing the genre and having fun with it, but it is a loving a love letter and calling card to the to each genre. He does have elements of the genre that work really well. You have great sci-fi elements in the world's end. The aliens are cool. The robots are cool. It's it's actually some really cool sci-fi stuff. Same thing with uh, Shaun of the Dead. There's a lot of great horror stuff. There's great gore in it. There is some. There are some scary situations. Third in, act of Shaun of the Dead's terrifying. Yeah, very scary. And then also with Hot Fuzz, there's some great action and really terrific shootout scenes. So even though they kind of are just jokes about the genres, it shows how much he loves them by inputting those elements of the genre so well into the movies. Now let's get to Simon Pegg and Nick Frost because their chemistry together, they work so well together. It's just, they exude it on screen and you can't help want to be buds with these guys. And so Simon Pegg is the lead in all three films. In Sean and Daddy plays Sean and then he plays Nicholas Angel in Hut Fuzz and then Gary King, the king. They call me the king. The king in... (laughs) The world's end. Each character is completely different, but also, like I said, they're similar in different ways. Sean doesn't want to grow up. He's sick of, like, having to be an adult and, like, have a job. That's one of the reasons why he keeps his buddy around, played by Nick Frost, who's just, like, hanging out, playing video games. He just moved in one day and never left. He, he loves having that part of his life where he can feel like a kid still. He's not serious about his relationship with Liz, one of the main themes of the film. He's, he, doesn't, he still hasn't accepted his stepfather as his real father in his life, not until the end of the film. When he dies, that he's like he calls him dad, and then we have Nicholas Angel, who on the surface, with this theme of maturity, he might look like the most mature. You know, he's he's the best cop in England. He's he's got his stuff together. He's got a plan. He's he's clean cut. He he's very orderly, almost militaristic. He seems like he has his stuff together. But when you look at this beneath the surface of Nicholas Angel, he talks about when he was a kid, his father was a cop, and when he, and because of that, he started arresting kids and like. <laughs> <laughs> citizens arrested for, for bigger kids and bullies and then his father died he never really left that stage never fully developed as a kid to teenager to adult he's still like stuck in that phase of trying to embody his father as a child so he's not really fully grown either even though he looks like it and then Gary King his story is about being like the most immature of them all probably because he hasn't even changed since he was a teenager but it's about him going through self-exploration in self-maturation to become a full-fledged adult and maybe and then find his path eventually when the world ends. That's ultimately what makes the movies work is this actual character transformations and 
there's actually great resonant themes about growing up and uh, being a human being. It's not just comedy the whole time. It's actually, you know, Simon Peck's characters and Nick Frost's characters, they go through change and there's conflict for them. That's it's it's under the surface, but it really helps with repeat viewings to see, oh, there's actually a heart to this and there's actually something to be said about what's going on in the story. It's not just pointless, mindless fun. And I think that is a reason why these films are so loved by so many people. And I also like in The World's End how he kind of flipped the switch where we were used to Nick Frost being the goofy sidekick, uh, kind of a bonehead in both movies, Shaun of the Dead and in Hot Fuzz. And then in The World's End, he's the grown-up, he's the responsible one, he has a great job, and he's the more mature person as opposed to Simon Pegg's Gary King, who is the immature one. I like how they changed the dynamic. It's a really great point. And ironically, they gave like their best performances as the opposite of their cliche yeah. stereotype characters that they play in the trilogy because Nick Frost is awesome in the third one. He's great in them all. I love Ed and Sean that he's, he's so funny. He actually got to like do some dramatic acting in World's yeah, End. Yeah, he's terrific yeah. in the World's End and I love the two of them together. They're so fun. But in terms of you said that the World's End is the most ensemble cast probably, but you could argue that all three do eventually have ensembles mm-hmm. because Shaun of the Dead, the first half is a buddy uh, comedy, buddy horror comedy, but then it turns into an ensemble for the second half of the film because now it's a survival against the zombie apocalypse, the end of the world scenario, and then with Hut Fuzz starts off as the but well it starts off solo and then like a buddy cop and then more of an ensemble. Yeah. In the third act went to the entire team, but that one is probably the most buddy cop for so- most of for it. The two yeah. of them for sure versus Shaun of the Dead. I think Shaun of the Dead and The World's End are more ensemble than Hut Fuzz, in my opinion. And World's End more than any of them because it's basically ensemble from the first 10 minutes and on. Exactly. And you have the group of guys together. Uh, but I And also we get familiar faces in all the films. Martin Freeman's in all of them. Although in Hut Fuzz and Shaun, he has just very minor roles. But then he has a major supporting role in, in The World's End. Patty Constantine, the same thing. I don't believe he's in Shaun of the Dead, but he plays one of the cops in Hut Fuzz. One of the detectives who's always pissed off. He's great. <laughs> and then he, then he has a very sizable role in The World's End. Uh, Bill Nighy makes uh, repeated roles in each each of the films, and he ends up being the, the voice of the alien network at the end of The World's End. So I love how... Oh, Rafe Spall, Rafe Spall also has really tiny roles in each of the films as well. He works at the store that Sean yeah, works yeah. at. He's and, like the teenage kid yeah. who's like the punk. He's in each one of them. So I love how he's always... They're all pals, like... I I, th- I believe he I, I believe Martin Freeman has known the trio for a long time. Same thing with Rafe Spall, which is why they're always in their these films, even in mo- minor roles in the first two. So I like how their friends are always in the movies too. Plus Jim Broadbent, Slughorn, yeah. he's got a great role in Hut Fuzz. Mm. I don't think he's, he, oh, he's not in the other two. And he's but Edgar Wright, he always has a great UK actor, like a veteran actor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline accomplished in each of these films you have Bill Nighy in Shaun of the Dead and then in Hot Fuzz you have Broadbent and then in The World's End you have Pierce Brosnan so he always has like oh and also um the uh, the other James Bond actor Timothy Timothy um, Dal- Dalton. Dalton he's also in Hot Fuzz so I love how Edgar Wright probably cast 
actors he grew up loving in his roles. It's kind of like Nolan getting Michael Caine in all of his yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. I love that aspect of getting like a great veteran presence. Isn't Bill Nee he, he he's the voice of the network in The World's End? I think that's his voice. I said that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I just said that. <laughs> Clearly not listening. How deep are those headphones in your eardrum? Man? What headphones? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right getting the same actors over and over again is really is that it, what you were researching while i was talking yeah i was like isn't that his voice maybe while you, i was researching it you said it yeah sorry man <laughs> i'm just trying to do my homework at the no same worries. time but that's what also makes it feel like like in like part of the you're part of the gang you know when you watch these movies you're, it's the same actors in a lot of this in similar roles and it just feels nostalgic and i think these movies are all highly rewatchable oh yeah i'll watch Shaun the dead anytime hot fuzz might be one of the most rewatchable action movies ever made but both of those movies are top tier genre movies in terms of horror and buddy cop action comedy like if They're, you just search that in google it's up there if they you make come a up. list like there's yeah. no way those two movies maybe not be in the top five and in, in each list i and i think that the world's end is such an underrated movie because a 6.9 on imdb like we always say if you're under seven that's not very good for a movie i love the movie i would give it an eight out of ten no problem and i, I wonder why because critics like it more than audiences i wonder because even the rt audience score is what 71 percent mm -hmm. so it's also quite low for an edgar wright movie it might be his least loved audience score for any of his films it i wonder might, why i think maybe you know audiences might expect too much from filmmakers when they're doing their second and third movies of a continued story i think i think they expect too much of them not that the world's end isn't a great movie because i think it is but obviously, it's not Hot Fuzz. It's not Shaun of the Dead. And I think because it didn't match the expectations of those two movies that people kind of rejected it in a lot of ways. Maybe, because yeah. that's 30% of the audience says they didn't like the movie. Yeah. That's a lot of people, especially with Edgar Wright because he's got such a huge fan base, not necessarily coming out to the box office to the theaters. I mean, one of the Hot Fuzz made $80 million. That's a lot of people going to see that movie. But the other one's, you know, pretty small, 30, 40 million box offices. But, like, critically and home video, rentals, his movies are huge. He's got cult status in all of his films, basically, in, in the 2000s. So I think maybe because people are expecting the next Shaun of the Dead or the next Hut Fuzz, and it wasn't quite there as being, like, yeah. an iconic sci-fi comedy yeah, that I maybe people so, yeah. kind of rejected, and they're kind of harsh to it. Because if that movie came up by itself without the other two existing, it'd probably do, probably do a lot better audience score. Yeah, I suppose that's a great point, because I really like the movie, and it does get a, it does have a slow middle act, but it has a great third act. In the, in the first 20 minutes, is hysterical. And I really love the ending. I, I love the ending. Like, the ending where it's the post-apocalyptic after the network destroyed all of our technology on planet Earth. And then everyone's living in, like, a dystopian era planet and living in sh shacks. And it, everyone's, like, holed up and fenced off. And then you have Nick Frost telling a bunch of young kids around a campfire about Gary King. And, and then we cut to Gary King, and he's, like, basically like a Western outlaw <laughs> in this future. And he's got a sword on his back, and it's, like... He's ordering water. He's like, who are you? They call me the king. <laughs> I love I love the ending. It's so great. I think maybe people don't like how big bombastic they went with, with it, possibly. Like a lot of CGI in the end, the third act, the big explosion, and the aliens. I think that when I watch it, I think it's awesome because it's so hard to get a movie made. But even if you're an established director, if you have a story that you want to get made, unless you're like Chris Nolan and all your movies will make $500 million no matter what. <laughs> 
if you're a great filmmaker like Edgar Wright and your movies return a sizable profit, nothing too crazy, you know, a couple like maybe 10, 20, 30 million dollar profit on all of his movies combined each time, studios are less likely to give you budgets for whatever kind of story you want to tell. And I think that just the fact that he made good on a promise to turn this into a trilogy because once we got Shaun of the Dead and then Hut Fuzz and the connection of the Cornetto trilogy tissue was made and the, the whispers were out there that there was going to be a third one in this series, in this in this unorthodox franchise. I think the fact that it got made, that they were able to write it and write a pretty damn good script out of it, really funny. Uh, it holds its own against the other two. It's not as great as the other two or, or iconic, but it still holds its own. I think the fact that they made good on the promise, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost, to make the third film and make a really good movie out of it yeah. is enough for me to enjoy what they did. And I like watching the third act because I'm like, I love how they just went for it. They're like, let's blow the entire world up. Like, yeah. Even though the first movie, Shaun of the Dead, is about the end of the world too, it doesn't end at the end of the movie, but it's a post-apocalyptic movie, zombie apocalypse movie. The world's end is like, the world is like over. Like we just told aliens to go f- off. Yeah, that's, I love it. <laughs> and they just shut Get everything down. Out. <laughs> we're a human race and we don't like being told what to do <laughs> i was like let's go it's cool call us ups <laughs> i think it's i think the world's world's end i think is definitely number three if you're gonna rank them yeah but there are some jokes in the world's end that are incredible and laugh out loud and it ha- it does have i think some of the best jokes in it you gotta say there are times in that movie where i cackle I, I cackled last night. Same. Like, like when, like, and, and also with World Zane and Hot Fuzz, he didn't do it in Shaun of the Dead. In Shaun of the Dead, he basically he did like that opening long take in uh, Day in the Life of Shaun, which set up the story. But in Hot Fuzz and in The World's End, he did these really great montages. Uh, first, Nicholas Ange's montage of just being a badass cop in London and taking out all the crime himself. Really great <laughs> supercut montage. And then in the world's end, we have the the little supercut montage of the guys as teenagers trying to do the golden, golden mile. And both montages are extremely creative the way he filmed them, uh, with the hot fuzz one, high shutter, uh, bleach bypass, really great editing. And then in world's end, it looked like he shot on sixteen mil, uh, supercut as well. But super grainy footage makes it feel like a home video. And I love I love these little introductions he did in those two movies. It kind of looks like if he didn't shoot in 16 mil, he did it digitally to make it look like a memory or an Possibly, old film reel. Yeah. It looks really cool. I like that too. Now, how about we run through the plots of these movies real quick? Let's do so it, So, Shaun man. of the Dead. You, you've all seen these movies, we know, but we'll just run through them. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun wakes up basically one day, and there's a zombie apocalypse. So, basically, his plan is to go grab his ex-girlfriend and his crew, his posse, and, and her friends, and hold up in the Winchester, which is the pub that he goes to every night, which is the reason why Liz broke up with him, is because he just spends his life drinking with his buddy and not growing up and going to the Winchester. And now they have to survive in the zombie apocalypse. Hot Fuzz, Nicholas Angel, like Anthony said, is such a good cop that he's making everyone else in England and London look bad. So the police force sends him to this small town called New Haven. Newton Haven. Mm-hmm. Newton Haven? Or is that Newton Haven? No, well, oh no. In, that's the World's End. In Hot Fuzz, it's Newton Haven. I mean, in World's End, it's Newton Haven. And in Hot Fuzz, Fuzz, what is the town? I can't recall. The, the town top of my head. is called, sorry, a small little village. Sanford. Sanford. And so he goes to Sanford, the small town where there's no crime at all. It's got a perfect record, but there's a lot of mysterious deaths, and accidents. Accidents. And Nicholas Angel really underst- clearly understands that they're murders, so he's trying to solve this murder, and there's this giant conspiracy 
It's um, a traffic act, traffic collision. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to say accident anymore. It's a traffic collision. And there's a giant conspiracy of the leaders of the town are killing everybody who has anything bad to say about them or is committing crimes, basically. Yeah. For in the, the greater in, good. In Hot Fuzz, as well as being uh, a calling card to buddy cop movies, it also has a, a lot of love for the Wicker Man in terms of the village conspiracy for something much more sinister. Great point. Great point. And then the world's end is Gary King, who has not changed at all since he was 16 years old. Rounds, he's a mess now. He's an AA. He doesn't have his life together at all. He rounds up his old friends to do the old Golden Mile pub crawl in their hometown of Newton Haven. And then they, he convinces them all to go reluctantly. And they show up, and eventually they find out that the entire town has been overrun by aliens from intergalactic travels who are trying to get Earth ready for an intergalactic community by infiltrating them and basically turning them into robotic slaves in a lot of ways. And then they tell the aliens to f*** off. (laughs) (laughs) I love how the aliens are saying, no, we're just trying to help you and trying to to blend our cultures together. And then Gary's like, so how many humans are left? And there's like two, two guys left. So you, so you changed the whole town? Well, well, I mean, it didn't really go as planned. <laughs> the aliens are actually like taking over, even though they try to say that they're like trying to help us out. And with the world's end, in, well, all of the movies, there's great emotional conflict within Simon Pegg's characters. And the world's end... I think is a great example of balancing the comedy and drama really well with him being an alcoholic and, and AA. And it, it appears as though he's living in a halfway home. I don't know what you would call it in the UK, but a halfway home is like where people in recovery live. Because uh, he says, they tell me when to go to sleep at night, which means there are rules in halfway homes when you have to go to bed and you have to have get a job or whatever. So I'm guessing he lives in a halfway home. And they blend, they blend the comedy and drama together so well because he's telling the story. The movie opens with him telling the story of like the golden mile attempt they made as teenagers and it was so epic and and it is like the best night of their lives and he and then it cuts to him in in the circle he says and it never got better (laughs) it's so funny but it's also very sad at the same time yeah but it's the comedy works so well with the drama same thing with the hot fuzz same thing with Shaun of the dead it's an amazing way of balancing comedy and drama that so few filmmakers can pull off like Edgar Wright. Gary King might be the funniest of the three characters. I think, I think Gary King is the best character in all the movies. He's so damn funny. He goes through the biggest transformation of them all easily. I mean, the guy's life gets turned around, and he finds his calling card in life. He stops drinking, stops using. But he's such a mess at the beginning of the movie. And even that great joke where uh, Sam, played by Rosamund Pike, she's like, what happened to you? He's like, nothing. Same old Gary. She's like, no, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Same guy. He's living in the past because we all know someone that's still living in their glory days of like high school. He's got the same cassette that Steven gave him. He's got the same car. Where'd, you, where'd you find it? In the cassette player. He's like, he has the same car. He's like, this looks, looks just like the car I sold you in 18, uh, 1989. Is the car you sold me in 1989. <laughs> well, I changed the wheels, the tires, suspension, basically all new engine, new doors. So the car, he's afraid to move on from his glory days of this just this one night was basically the best night of his night of his life he never thought he'd be able to top it again and out of fear of never being being able to top it again he refused to move on from that night and he's still living every day of his life like it's the day they did the golden mile yeah and in a lot of ways each like you said earlier all of simon peck's characters they have a similar conflict where they're uh, they're stuck in a bad way and unwilling to change and then the course of the film transforms them into understanding their mistakes and the errors of their ways. 
and they become a better person because of it by the end of each film. Sean and Gary are probably the most similar because they're the most silly. They're, they're refusing to grow up. Sean, you know, he's accepted part of growing up. He's got a job, but he has he's in a relationship with Liz, who he loves Liz, and Liz loves him, but Gary doesn't want to do anything with He doesn't want to deal with life. Both he's, of them don't want to deal with he's, life. He just wants to sit yeah. there. He wants to play video games. He just wants to go to the Winchester. He's safe and happy in his little bubble. He has no motivation to do anything, even though all of these characters, well, you could say Nicholas Angel lives up to his potential fully. Um, by the he's a, he's just the extreme opposite side of the coin yeah, to the extreme. Hasn't grown up for different reasons. Whereas Gary and Sean are kind of stagnant in their lives, refusing to grow up, refusing to move on from their adolescence, and that's why Sean has so many problems. Where he doesn't want to take the next step with his relationship with Liz. He doesn't want to find a better job possibly he doesn't want to move up at the scale at all socially or f- try to find a way to make more money be more successful he just wants to go to the winchester every single night he doesn't want to try a different food he doesn't want to try a different beer he still hasn't accepted his fa- his stepfather is his father i think obviously at the end of the movie he ends up with liz again and they're starting their relationship over because of everything they've gone through and he's changed he's become a much more mature person but you could say that the death of his parents are really what changed him because after his, fa- his stepfather dies, he accepts him as his father. And then after his mother dies, he no longer has that safety net that he'd been holding on to with his mom because his mom loved him so much. You could tell his mother babied him his entire life. His mom was always a safety net that he could fall back on to not have a reason to not fully grow up. And then Nicholas Angel, he's the complete opposite where he is all about work and all about action. And the other characters, especially Nick Frost's character... It's trying to show him you got to relax every once in a while and you actually have to live your life where Nicholas Angel's all about work. He can't even take the second to have a beer at a bar. Like that's the last thing he wants to do. He has no interest in having friends and having a social circle. Uh, and so I like how Edgar did the complete polar opposite to Sean's character with Hot Fuzz. Uh, the, he avoided the ability to repeat himself just by completely transforming their approach to the lead character of a movie and I love that. And both characters get broken up in the first act of their movies. Nicholas yeah. Angel gets broken up because he also won't take the next step in his relationship with his girlfriend. And he also is just married to the force. He's obsessed with being a police officer. That's all he thinks about because, when he, again, you revert back to his uh, childhood trauma of his father dying. He, his father was his hero. Again, he, he was pretending to be a police officer when he was a kid. And after his father died, he never left that stage of trying to be his father and thinking that this is how he'll f- ha- live a fulfilled life. Whereas Danny teaches him to live a life worth living, just like Liz in the death of his parents teach Sean to live a life worth living. You know, you don't have to be the greatest person in the world, but you can find ways to be happy with other people. And so, and these movies are really about friendship at the same time oh, and yeah. relationships yeah. because the friends are really what make the characters transform so much by the end of the movies. Nicholas Angel chooses to stay in Stan- Sanford as opposed to going back to London when the cops beg him to come back. And it's like, the last thing I want to do is be a full-time cop 100% of the time once again. And he's like, I like Sanford. I've learned to like live an actual life here. And so like again, and also uh, in Shaun of the Dead, it's great because the friendship never ends. And even as a zombie, it's the same yeah, guy. Yeah, he's the same, <laughs> same. He hasn't really changed. And that's the metaphor of Shaun of the Dead is people becoming zombie-like. 
going to work, sitting on the same bus every day, uh, watching TV, playing video games, just like not really doing much with their lives and just kind of getting stuck like a zombie. That's one of the main metaphors of Shaun of the Dead. And what I love about Gary King in The World's End is not only do his friends help him mature as a human being, but he finds it in himself through exploration to mature as a human being and, and become who he was meant to be in the apocalypse, post-apocalyptic Earth. But also, he helps change his friends for the better, where they've become so serious in their lives and they have their jobs and their houses and, you know, that's all they care about. But he's helping them live happier, more fulfilled lives. You know, without Gary King, maybe Sam never... Well, without Gary King, Sam never... Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy... Steven. Who, Steven and Sam never get together for the first time. Well, except for the other two that die. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're dead, but... <laughs> So I actually, they, they, I would argue, I would argue that Gary King doesn't change at all. Really? Because so Gary King, he ended up finding a world where he could flourish. Yes, he stopped doing drugs, he stopped drinking, but that's because in this world he doesn't fit in. In the normal world, he doesn't fit in, and then in the post-apocalyptic world, it's like where he belongs. And so he doesn't need drugs, he doesn't need alcohol to cope with reality because every like every day of his life is a quest. And something fun to do. I think that Gary, he's always because he does these great monologues about like we're on a quest, and he he tells the hotel worker about this crazy long diatribe about the Golden Mile. And he Gary wa- King is back in town. Yeah, he's all about <laughs> adventure and fun and and excitement and exploration. And in the normal world, he kind of is just can't do anything. He doesn't fit in the world. That's why he turns to drugs, and that's why he turns to alcohol. And that's why he can't, like, keep a job and live like a normal person in society with societal norms. But then when the world turns to shit and it's every man and woman for themselves, life or death, he flourishes. And it's like it's it's like this Gary King is where he belongs. And so I would argue because at the end of the film, he, it's not like if he really changed, he wouldn't have gone for that last beer. But he did. You know what I mean? That's a good point. And, and then he still, and then he told the aliens to f off. And he's like, "If we want, like, we're gonna be like the, the, the animal li- house, animal, yeah. We're, we're just we want to party. We want to have a good time. Exactly. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah. So he doesn't change. It's the world changes, and he, uh, the world becomes more suitable to him. That's a really good point. Yeah. You know, because of the fact that he has the option to be his younger self. I always looked at that as. That's a, st- a sign of maturity, though, where he has the option to be what he's been, that he, what he's wanted to be for the last twenty years, however long it's been. He has the opportunity to become that, and he refuses it. That you could say is a sign of maturity that Gary King wouldn't have had before this experience. What does he refuse? He what refused being him, him, his younger self. No, no, no. So, but it was out of stubbornness because yeah, there's okay. only one Gary King. <laughs> <laughs> he bunches Complete, that. No, because he doesn't change. Because what, what's his last line of the movie? They call me the king. He hasn't changed at all. And he only kills that other version of himself because there's only one. So he never changes. That's actually a really great point. So it's the only character, it's the only Simon Pegg character that doesn't actually change at all. The world changes around him. I still think that Gary King from the first act of the movie would have taken that opportunity to be his younger self. No way. Absolutely not. He would have had, he had to have gone through all this with his friends. I doubt, I doubt that. I I completely. It's really funny though. It's, I believe that he's so. That's one of the funniest parts yeah, of the movie. He's too. so self-centered that he kills the other version he's of like, himself. I'm so cute. <laughs> kick the kick punts his face across the room. Yeah. So I I think that Gary does not change at all. That's actually a really good point. 
I think there's a little bit of self-exploration and maturity going on. I disagree. A little bit. Zero. Zero percent. But he did find his calling in being a outlaw in the (laughs) post-apocalyptic earth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about we run to intermission, then we'll get back to more of the Cornetto trilogy. Sounds great. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your movie friends and family members, use our coupon codes, and become a patron for as little as $2.00 at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Every patron has access to a weekly bonus episode. You get personalized messages, personalized videos. $10, $25, and $100 to your patrons get access to our Discord. We talk to you every day. Do watch parties on there. $25 and $100 to your patrons get their own custom episode. You pick the topic. We do it for you. And $100 to your patrons get an executive producer credit at the end of every main episode. You get your own personal watch party. And after three months of being in that tier, you get to come on the show for a fun guest segment. Patreon allows us to do the show full time. So thank you so much for your support, everybody. Raiders of the Lost podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. You got to use our coupon code. Raiders of the Lost. That's one word. At checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping worldwide from all Manscaped products. Join the over 2 million men, 2 million men worldwide that are using Manscaped for their grooming needs. The Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer is skin safe, has a 7,000 RPM motor, built-in light, wireless charger, waterproof. You can use this thing in the shower in the dark. It is absolutely insane. It's a rocket ship for your grooming needs. The Boxer Briefs 2.0 are beyond comfortable. I'm wearing a pair right now because I knew we were going to be wearing pants in this episode for our costumes. It's a little toasty in here because it's still September in LA, which means it's hot. Still hot. But they're they're thin, they're comfortable, they got cool patterns, and they got a little extra space for your junk. Manscaped also has products like 2-in-1 shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant. I highly recommend getting on everything there. Go to manscaped.com, use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Our other amazing sponsor is movieposters.com. Use our special promo code, you know it, Raiders10, to get 10% off your poster orders at movieposters.com. Today, they have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their arsenal, as well as a huge selection of backlighting framing for all of your poster needs we have a ton of these posters all over our set as well as our home these are high quality super affordable and the best place to go for all of your poster needs again head on over to movieposters.com and use our special promo code raiders10 to get 10 percent off your order today now let's head into our intermission and begin with a movie quote competition Let's hear You ready, pal? I'm ready. Are you sure you're fine to drive? I mean, a minute ago, you were dead. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Nice. That's Simon Peck talking to Tom Cruise. MI5. That's a really funny scene. After he resuscitates him. (laughs) All right, here's mine. Two people talking. Did you ever want to be a proper politician in your own right? Of course. Didn't you want to be a proper writer? a good one huh Mm. say it one more time did you ever want to be a proper politician in your own right of course didn't you want to be a proper writer i don't know it sounds so familiar though the ghost writer oh man that is such a good movie yeah it's a great movie man highly recommend it very suspenseful (laughs) guess this movie release year the adventures of tintin 
thought you were going to say Pluto Nash. You saw this at uh, Jordan's Furniture Natick IMAX. Oh, thanks for the help. Hmm. If we saw it in Natick, it has to be mid to early 2010s. I'm going to go with 2012. 2011. Ah, good one. You're close, man. Spielberg directed that. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, I guess this movie released here. Dante's Peak. Hmm. This is the one Pierce Brosnan. It is. Yeah. I went Brosnan today. 1988. 97. 97? You were way, way off. <laughs> Back when he was Bond. Oh, yeah, he was Bond. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a star in the 80s. You're right. He was well-known, but he right. wasn't like superstar yeah, like he is. Right. Movie pop quiz time. Three English filmmakers wrote The Adventures of Tintin. How many can you name? All right, I'm going to go Guillermo del Toro. He's not English. Oh, English writers. <laughs> Wait, English? Like the, the movie or the, or the book series? Huh? Wait, The Adventures of Tintin. Yeah, it was, it was, the, the movie was written by three filmmakers. Three English filmmakers from England. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't Dudes know that. that were born in the UK. <laughs> I don't know how much more clearly you want me to say. Well, no, I'm, I'm – yeah, I just got – I was picturing English English language. Give me a break, okay? <laughs> Give me a friggin' break. English filmmakers wrote it? Um, I don't know. Um, uh, I have no idea. Edgar Wright, uh-huh. Stephen Moffat, uh-huh. and Joe Cornish. Oh, cool. Moffat did uh, Sherlock. Great writers. Yeah, man. I didn't know Edgar Wright was involved. Yeah, he wrote the script. Oh. Good for him. It's probably how he got Simon Pegg as the, one of the main roles. Oh, man, yeah, most he definitely. He voiced the, uh, the captain. No, that was Circus. Simon Pegg had a voice, though, in one of the, in the movie. Oh, yeah. And then Jamie Bell was Tintin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guess this quiz question. <laughs> what famous musical did Pierce Brosnan star in? Mamma Mia. Correct, Mundo. <laughs> Easy peasy. Man. That was fast. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> All right. We got any haters this week? What do we got? We don't have any subscribes. No, no one subscribes. No one subscribes? I don't know. I, don't, I didn't see any. Wow. I don't have any. Slow week. Slow week. Well, maybe, I accidentally deleted a ton of stuff on my phone. I may have deleted them. Well, I have a great five-star review from Allison Chains 1994 The best. A funny, enlightening, and entertaining podcast that never ceases to get me pumped up and interested in the incredible world of film. This podcast had turned me on to so many new favorites. Thank you, guys. Five stars. Thank you, Allison Chains, 1994. Thanks, Allison Appreciate Chains. Appreciate you so much. Well, we do. We did have a hater from uh, two weeks ago, that bonehead on Instagram, and What'd I blocked say? him. What do you say? He said another another couple of things. On oh, the, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. don't give him a name drop yeah. because he also has a podcast. We don't yeah. want to give him the status. Yeah, but I, I finally blocked him. Just a very negative person. He's just like messing with us. He follows us too, which is so weird. Not anymore. Every time we make Not a anymore. video post, he leaves a negative comment. I wouldn't be surprised if we get like a one-star review from him soon. Whatever. People know it's not real. For sure. Anyways, we do have haters still. Now. Haterade. We have any, uh, we have a new Godfather, right? We have a new Godfather. Who is it, Anthony? <laughs> Sorry. One second. I forgot to screenshot it. Jeez, this guy. <laughs> I'm the guy who does his job. Who are you? You must be the other guy. <laughs> so you got you got a camera in the back. You got a camera in the back. <laughs> Austin Stein. Austin. Austin. Just joined our Godfather Patreon tier. Damn, uh, our no, trilogy episode. He became. He made Godfather. you an offer you could refuse. You like our costumes. <laughs> he still hasn't picked an episode yet, but I'm sure Austin get back to us 
and then we can make your uh, bonus review put on, you on the list on Patreon. And we're almost caught up on our Patreon bonus reviews. We only have about a month more to, for two a week, and then we'll be caught up. We're getting there, everybody. We're getting through. There's them. still a lot. There's still like nine more to do. But thank you for your patience. Yeah, we're so grateful for you. There've been really good episodes. Of the Godfather. Yeah, we just did uh, Amsterdam for a bonus. That's coming out. That came out a couple weeks ago. But yeah. we did Collateral. Collateral was a lot of fun. Yeah. Tom Cruise movie. But uh, moving on to On This Day in Film History. Today is October 13th in 1950. All About Eve was released. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1951. In 1973, Badlands, directed by Terrence Malick, is, premieres at the New York Film Festival. In 1993, The Nightmare Before Christmas is released. In 2005, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints is released. Sorry, I'm dropping my guns. Uh, 2006, no, 2017, Happy Death Day, The Foreigner, and Mindhunter premiered. In 2021, William Shatner becomes the oldest person to reach space traveling aboard Blue Origin's New Shepard rocket on a 10-minute flight. He's like 90. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. He's so old. Happy birthday to Sasha Baron Cohen and Caleb McLaughlin. And my streaming recommendation is Edward Scissorhands, which is now on Amazon Prime. I recommend The World's End on HBO Max. I think it's uh, much less seen, much less known than the other two films. So if you haven't seen The World's End, Check it out for sure. HBO Max. And sorry for spoiling it up to this point. <laughs> Good for sorry. a rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's get back into the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. And how about we talk about some similarities that these films have? Obviously, I would love to. we brought pubs and drinking. Lots of pubs. Just really, I, I love pubs and I love pubs in England. We went to England. We went to a few. They're so great. We have a bunch of great pubs in America too. Boston's full of them. So I feel like at home at like an Irish pub or an English pub. And I love the names that... They came up with for pubs in the world's end, like the two-headed dog, stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. So I think there's something about the environment and atmosphere of a pub that's just so warm and welcoming, just not in, just in person, but also when you're watching it in a movie. Yeah, I love the pubs and great names. The the old reliable, is that that's one of them? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that must have might, might be my favorite name. The it's Winchester's terrific. a great name for a pub as great. well. So I think it's a lot of fun. Obviously, there's a bunch of pubs in Hut Fuzz as well. I like in Hut Fuzz where he shows up at the pub and there's like a bunch of teenagers drinking. <laughs> He's like looking around. They're like, they're, there's kids with braces. He's like, you're 38 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's so It's such a great scene. When's he, your birthday? 19, <laughs> December 2nd. December 2nd. What year? Every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. It's such a great scene. I love it. He's just yeah. trolls all the kids into jail. It's just so silly for Sean to think that the best place to go is to the Winchester. It's a pub. It's got big windows and doors. It's like it's the worst place. The zombies get it, no problem. <laughs> so it's really funny. But I just love the atmosphere of pubs and how they're connected in all these movies as well. Yeah, and the thing is, it's just like a, it's all a joke, like to go to a pub when zombies are attacking. Like that's it's, that's the whole gag of the movie. Subversion it's great. Of, of the genre. Yeah, it's like, it's such a bad idea, but it works because of the movie. Another great subversion of the of the zombie genre is when Ed takes the phone call with the horde of zombies around them. Yeah, like, yeah. Because like, he hits every cliche of all these genres of movies. The horror movies, the zombie movie, hits every single cliche. Making a sound with the phone. He, yeah. Hot Fuzz, they hit all the cliches. World's End, they hit the cliches, but they, he subverts them so well with things like that that produce brilliant comedy. And even they'll make a joke like the He'll make the point break joke of you've never fired your gun up in the air like ah, ah. and then he, daddy actually does it at the end of the film when his dad's running away <laughs> so it's great that he'll he'll make a reference and a joke about a certain movie or the genre and then he'll actually put it into the film and into the plot we've already talked about friendship and relationships for other th similar themes in these movies we've talked about growing up and maturing how about action-heavy third acts? Because every one of these movies has a bombastic, crazy third act. 
the Shaun of the Dead is when the zombies are breaking into the Winchester. They don't really they only have a couple. They have like one gun. I think Sean fires all the yeah, bullets. The rifle. It hits yeah. like two zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but still, and then they of, pass the rifle up here. You take it here. You take yeah. it. Still, like a lot of great action sequences though of the the zombies attacking them, them fighting back. The first one is my favorite mm-hmm. when they're throwing the records at the zombies in the backyard. Super funny. It's awesome. I love that scene. But in terms of the third act, really lots of. Lots of stuff going on. Then the rescue of the military of them at the end of the movie in the third act. Hot Fuzz has the most action-heavy third act I've ever seen in an entire in a movie. It's crazy where they get everyone together and the police. They use all the weapons that they've confiscated in, in the room, <laughs> in the armory that's never been used. And they just go to town in a giant, massive shootout throughout the town, the grocery store, then the town center. And just Angel showing up on horseback dual wielding guns and he's got the shotguns on his back it's terrific it's iconic I love it and then the world's end third act is also a very action packed and bombastic it's very action it's a huge yeah. chase sequence as well they're running from the the blanks they call them from the aliens they're fighting the blanks if you see any blanks let me know <laughs> he's a blank she's a blank <laughs> <laughs> so they're just running from them and fighting the blanks uh, some other similarities. But also, there's a lot of like action scenes before the third act in the world's end. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like that first fight in the bathroom, and then also the patio fight. There's a lot of action. Absolutely, for sure. Um, two of these movies are about the end of the world. Although, the Sean and the I love dead, it. they yeah. eventually stop the zombie apocalypse, and they the zombies become integrated in their life. Just like how in the world's end, the blanks kind of get integrated back into their old lives, which yeah. is really interesting. It, and they're, they're kind of like zombies looking for a home as well. Yeah, after the network leaves and they're just like shuffling around in groups like zombie hordes. It, I think that Edgar Wright was just making a reference to his own movie. I, I loved it. The blanks are zombies. Yeah. They, they turn back on. Um, and then prejudice against them. Yeah. yeah. Fence jumps are All the fence jumps. iconic in every movie. And the funny thing with The World's End is there are no like purely like big fence jumps, but they're jumping over like bushes and little tiny fences and yeah. stuff like Simon that. Simon Pegg always falls. So he, in Shaun of the Dead, he's like, what, you've never seen a shortcut before? <laughs> and then he falls on that the third fence. And then in World's End, he falls over that little bush. And then in Hot Fuzz, he what does he jump over in Hot Fuzz? He does something. Well, he does the trampoline jump over the fence. Trampoline jump, yeah. Okay. And then, and then yeah. Danny runs through the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like it. Nick, Nick like does like three fences in a row. Yeah, and it's great. And he, like the third one, he jumps like it does a front. Oh flip yeah, over. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they Danny, have like a gymnast doing yeah, it. Yeah, and then Danny just like <laughs> tries to. He runs right through a fence. <laughs> it's so funny. So you got to have a fence jump in the Cornetto trilogy. Absolutely, one of these movies. Who do you think has the best cast in all three of these movies? Not characters, the cast. The oh, actors. it's got to be The World's End. Mm-hmm. This is a great cast of UK actors. I mean, you got King Viserys up there as a, just as a supporting character. Ro- Rosamund Pike was a great addition um, to the cast as well. Eddie Marsden is a very reliable UK actor. You've seen him in a ton of stuff, most famously in the Sherlock Holmes movies. He's been working in basically every Guy Ritchie movie for like the last 10 years. Uh, so it's a great cast. I would say that's number one for sure. Martin Freeman as well. Martin Freeman, yeah. People call the inferior Bilbo. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. He's great as Bilbo. Great John Watson as well. Yeah, It's actually interesting that they're both characters in in Sherlock movies, different different, productions. Yeah, different universes. That's pretty funny. I never never really noticed that before. But you've seen Eddie Mars in a ton of stuff. He's just like a, a great character actor, side supporting character. But Hut Fuzz also has a great cast as well. Shaun of the Dead, probably the most unrecognizable uh, actors for sure. But Hut Fuzz, Olivia Coleman is in that movie. Oh, yeah, Oscar yeah. winning Oscar Olivia winner, Coleman yeah. has a small role. She's the, the lady police officer. Yeah, she's so sweet. <laughs> she's They're all funny. eating, what are they eating, cake? Yeah, something like that. Oh, she's going to need some chunky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Slughorn, uh, yeah. Broadbent's a great actor as well. So I think Hut Fuzz and, and World's End have the best combined casts. 
I would say that Hot Fuzz might have the best cast in general, I think. I mean, you do get Timothy Dalton. But, I mean, I gotta go World's End, man. They're all they're all big actors. Yeah, they're all and then great. you got Pierce Brosnan. In. Yeah. You get Bill Nahe for a little bit. I think all around, like, they're all top-tier actors, whereas Hot Fuzz, uh, there's a lot of great actors, but, like, the entire ensemble isn't, like, all big A-listers. You know what would have been cool is if he got a James Bond actor for Shaun of the Dead. It would have it, it would have perfected think, Is the, there a Shaun of the Dead actor in Shaun of the... I mean, James, a James Bond. No, no, no there isn't. No, there's, it's just Bill Nighy. But he couldn't got, afford it back then. Yeah, but he's got two in the other two, which is really cool. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, um, you got to think about, like... Being a, a young person growing up in the UK, like James Bond is a part of the culture. Like, is, like it's, yeah. it's 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 so ingrained in the culture that that character in the the movies. As big as it is here in America and yeah. other parts of the world, it's even bigger there. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Who? Which movie has the best characters all around? For best characters all around, that's a good question. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. All the caricatures of cops, and then even like the little side characters are really funny. Like the playwright's a great character to laugh at, and Dalton's great, excellent villains. I would say Hot Fuzz is best all around characters. I think so too because The World's End, great actors, maybe the best cast, but they're all playing very similar characters besides Gary King. You know, they're all just mature, normal seeming adults. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hot Fuzz, like you said, they're caricatures of cops or caricatures of people and actual caricatures with the yeah. the robotic man in the, in the yeah, town yeah. center and stuff like that. And then, and then sh- you got like the the hedgebed, like who sounds like a pirate and yeah, yeah. times over. Like, That's the mountain. Yeah. I mean, it's the mountain from Game of Thrones, right? That guy? No, I don't believe so. Or what's the big guy in Game of Thrones? Is it the mountain? What, what else is he in? No, what's the the guy's name? I don't know. No, I mean in the, oh, in the, oh, it is. It's yeah. the hound. The hound. The hound. The is mountains it? is brother. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the mountains. The hound. Is the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the hound. hound. That's what I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he just got the shaved head in this movie. Yeah, you're right. That is him. Um, and then Shaun of the Dead, great characters, but really, it's just. Uh, Ed and Sean that are the most memorable and yeah. likable. The rest of the cast, they're great, but they're they're kind of normal people in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But yeah, I think Hot Fuzz, I agree, has the most fun characters. They're all very unique and funny in their own different ways. And I, I think they're they're even they're more the most characters are in Hot Fuzz. Too. And it's really the only movie with like true villains in it because the network alien network. It's like it's a big it's too big in scope for to be like a memorable like movie villain whereas you have a bunch of great actors in hot in hot fuzz you have dalton broadbent and then the other uh, uh, older actors veteran actors as the, the villains you have the henchman the hound so i think that even just for villains it's much it has the act this is the only movie with like actual villainous characters plus all the the co- the cameos of the cops as well yeah Bill yeah get, and then yeah. what's the guy's name from uh, tropic thunder the british director in the movie Oh, um, what's his name? He's he's in Hot Fuzz as well. I love him. He's got a great cameo. Hold what's me, his name? Because I, I love his trip movies. Let me let me look real quick. Look at it up. Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. Yeah. Steve Coogan. There you go. Yeah. I just needed a second. Oh yeah, Mister Human IMDb. Over I there. got it right. <laughs> he's just double checking, guys. So, no, it's, I didn't have to double check. <laughs> Am I right? I believe. No. Yeah. I said you're right. <laughs> great job. Do you have? Uh, favorite funny moments from the movies like what are your funniest moments from each one I, so for funniest moments I think that the guys telling the aliens to F off at the end of the world's end is hilarious also I I really love my I think the funniest for me the funniest part out of all these movies is in the world's end where 
the montages happen, like I said earlier, and Gary's telling, narrating it, and then we see he's in a in an AA circle, and he's like, and it, it it never got, and it it, it was like, he says things could never, could never get better, and, and it, it never did. did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so I, funny for for Shaun of the Dead. I think my favorite moments are. Sean going to the market the second time after the apocalypse has happened, and he just is completely yeah. oblivious. Uh, oblivious. Oblivious. <laughs> I think you're trying to come up with like a Harry Potter spell over there. <laughs> oblivious. <laughs> oblivious to everything around him. Also, uh, Ed's cell phone I think is really hysterical as well. In in the great line of "You got red on you," which is repeated throughout the movie. Um, Hot Fuzz, I think the opening montage of Nicholas Angel and all of his exploits is really hysterical and everything he's done. And then The World's End, I love the Need for Speed joke where they're all like, That's, Gary's taking so long to take a piss. And everyone's like, "Where's what's Gary been doing? Or like, where's Gary? What's Gary doing right yeah. now? And then uh, Nick Frost goes, he's over there playing Need for Speed. You know, and, and, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> in The World's End, when he uh, Nick Frost, he gets paid back to 600 quid from Gary. And then he, he tells the other guys, like, oh, maybe he's changed. He did pay me back what he owed me. And then, he, then he's like, wait, he borrowed 200 from me. 200 from 200 me. For me. <laughs> <laughs> so he paid him back with borrowed money from the other guy. Also, on the world's end, I think the, the hardest I laughed was in the third act when, when um, Gary and Sam are on the roof after they're escaping from the bar. And she's like, my car's down there. And so Sam's like, let's let's climb down the drain pipe. And then Gary's like, I've got a better idea. And he, just, <laughs> he jumps on the car, all the windows shatter, and he caves in the roof. And he's just like, I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Take the drain pipe. I also love when – I've um, got a better idea. I also love when he go, he takes her into the bathroom to tell her about the aliens, what's going on. He's like, I have something very important to tell you. And she's like, I'm not here to have – I'm not going to have sex with you. And it, But he, go, he goes – uh, unless you do want to have sex, and then uh, in another case, I'll tell you after. <laughs> He's like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I also love in um, I love the what's the matter? I've never seen a shortcut before, and that he just collapses over the fence. I love never that. Never taken a shortcut before. <laughs> I love it. And I, Hot Fuzz, I love the montages. Yeah, the supercuts of. Uh, getting ready, making fun of like the loading up scenes in movies with and, the guitar riffs. Yeah, the, in the the camera work, the editing. There's a few of them in the movie, and they are so funny because it's just mundane stuff that uh, that Nicholas is doing. But Edgar Wright cuts it together with supercuts of like it's an action scene, but he's just like doing like mundane things. It's hilarious. Well, it's like Shaun of the Dead too. Like Shaun taking a piss is like the most entertaining yeah. piss I've ever seen in a movie. It's like the editing makes you laugh. It's it's really brilliant. Scariest moments, what do you got? What are your scariest moments in each one, you think? Scariest moments? So in Shaun of the Dead, I would say... I would say the scariest moment is that first zombie lady when she falls onto that pipe and then lifts herself up. Then you're like, oh shit, how do you kill these things? I'd say that was the scariest moment for me. That's a, that's a really good choice. For me, um, scariest moments... I think when the zombies overtake the Winchester and then David gets disemboweled. His, his stomach just ripped apart. Like, I'm like, oh my god, this, uh, this is just a comedy. It's yeah. just, like, pretty intense now. Yeah. It's it, gets, have... it gets scary in the third act. Yeah. Hot Fuzz, scariest moment for me. I think the the greater good, the council in the dark, like, in those under, in those tunnels and stuff like that, that gets pretty scary. He finds yeah. all the skeletons. And then the world's end. The foot chase gets pretty scary at moments in yeah, the third act. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but in Hot Fuzz, I think, like, I think the most... Like off-putting thing in Hot Fuzz is when Dalton gets his jaw impaled by the roof of the model. Oh yeah, and he's just like, it really hurts. 
<laughs> but it's so gross. There's great gore, not yeah. just in Shaun of the Dead, but Hut Fuzz has yeah. excellent gore in that movie. Oh, yeah. Peter Jackson gets stabbed in the hand. And really, the gore in World's End is just all blue. Yeah. We got you got you got blood on you. Or no, um our hands are, are covered Co- in our hands are covered in blood. It's more like ink. Our hands are covered in ink. <laughs> Something like that. I can't remember. No, no, it's, it goes our hands have blood on them. It's more like ink. Our hands have ink on them. Our hands have ink on them. <laughs> I think that blue bloods is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so many great jokes in the world's end that I think fly under the radar. Yeah, absolutely. And these movies have great thematic resonance. So I think Shaun of the Dead it's basically telling you to live your life, find something worth living for accept your past you know grow up to an extent but still you know try to find happiness in your life and and don't try to just be live a mundane life and just do what everyone else is doing like the work of be lifestyle don't be a zombie exactly don't be a zombie and what they all say like don't be a cunt as yeah. well <laughs> uh hot fuzz same kind of thing live a life worth living find friendships find happiness in those friendships and in life and then also the world's end, I think, has maybe the most, the, the most broad and intense thematic elements. Where, in, in terms of also don't conform. maturing, but more of it, they're telling the story of the corporatization of the Western civilization yeah. of all these small towns that are just metaphors of the world and our lives that have been corporatized. Stop, bucket man! Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Where you've lost what it means to be a human being in a lot of ways. Where Gary kind of shows his friends. Like what being a human being is about when he tells the aliens to f off, not the lifestyle he lives, but the the fact that you know we are human beings, free. We're not perfect, free. but we want to be free. Yeah. And this, the film is showing really well how corporations have taken over every every facet of our life. Yeah. Don't conform to corporate culture, essentially. Who's Except- your, who are your favorite characters in each movie? So in Hot Fuzz. Hut Fuzz. It's Sean. Sean's iconic. I got Ed. Ed's great Ed's as hilarious. well. Um. Then Hut Fuzz. I feel like I'm gonna pick Nick Angel again. Yeah, Nick Angel. I think you just Simon Pegg in every movie. You have to, and then and then Gary, Gary King. Gary in King. Yeah, Gary King's amazing. But Gary King is my favorite character in all of them. He's so funny. He's amazing. He's really. He's it really, really is funny. an amazing performance by Simon Pegg. It's it, that was the first movie where I watched when I was like, he is a very good actor. And it might be the only movie of the three where some jokes don't land mm-hmm. in the Gary King realm and yeah. some of the comedy. Not every line hits, but, but some of them are meant to be laughed at like they're not funny because, because he's, a, he's because, kind of pathetic. Because he'll say a joke that's not funny, but then Edgar Wright gets the reaction shots of the other actors like blank exactly. stares. So, exactly. so the, some of the jokes purposely aren't supposed to land. Yes. But there are some moments where they want the audience to laugh and it's not super funny. So I, I can see that. But I would say... There are a lot of really amazing, huge jokes in that movie. Yeah, and we've done an episode on Shaun of the Dead in the past. It was yeah. Shaun of the Dead verse 28 Days Later because we think those are the two best zombie movies. Whether you think 28 Days Later is a zombie movie or not is kind of subjective to you. We like to think of it as a zombie movie, not just like a rabies kind of outbreak disease movie. Um, so if you haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. We also did Hot Fuzz in our Buddy Cop movie. Yeah, you're right. We did yeah. Buddy Cop. So I think, But we, I think we'd still have to pay more attention to a solo hot fuzz episode in the future oh yeah for sure maybe I love not it. maybe not this year but next year yeah for sure. so much fun you got anything else on these three brilliant movies dude no i love them i think that edgar wright is one of the best filmmakers working today a uh, very unique voice no one makes movies like him and then his collaborations with his with his guys nick and simon Pegg are just so brilliant these movies are endlessly rewatchable it's hard to pick a favorite but even if you do have favorites you can't deny that all of them are just laugh out loud funny in a good time. Which is your favorite? Uh, Shaun of the Dead is my favorite. I think for me, mine is 
Playtime's over. Playtime's over. Hot fuzz. <laughs> I love hot fuzz because of all the one-liners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This version of the the meta uh, approach to them. Where remember when uh, Angel he beats the guy in the in the freezer section? The Danny's like, "Did you tell him to cool up?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a shame. <laughs> no, but earlier I hit, it, I hit the guy with the toy. I said, "I said playtime's over." <laughs> oh, it's wicked! <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into Raiders of the Lost podcast. We will obviously revisit these movies in future episodes because they're so much fun. We love. Them. Them. We'll go in more in depth on them solo episodes for sure. In the Let future. us know your favorite in the comments. Hope you enjoyed yeah. our costumes. If you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, become a patron for as little as $2 at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It really keeps the lights on for the show. Let's just do it full time. Take care, everybody. Happy spooky season. Goodbye, y'all. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Graz, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, and Lauren Smertz. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.